But it kind of feels like an eternity ago. But since we went into lockdown back in March, we've been working our way slowly but surely through Jesus' famous teaching here in the Sermon on the Mount. And I don't know what you reckon, but personally, I'm struggling to think of a more helpful place to have been during this whole season. If you remember, Jesus is spelling out what life in his kingdom looks like. He's inviting us to live by the values of his kingdom rather than the values of the world all around us. And I'll tell you what, at a time like this where so many of us are under such tremendous pressure and where that pressure is beginning to expose something of the flimsiness of the foundations that really our culture is built on, Jesus' words here are pretty compelling. Let's not kid ourselves. They're incredibly challenging. They demand a whole lot of soul-searching, but they are also bursting with hope. You may beg to differ, but I'd suggest they paint a way more inspiring picture of what life could look like than the somewhat broken landscape all around us. Now, this is particularly true, I think, of the passage we're looking at today. Jesus launches into a whole new section of teaching right here at the beginning of Matthew 7 with the words, do not judge others, which on the surface sounds a bit like the rallying call of our culture, doesn't it? We don't think anyone has the right to judge us anymore. We should be free to be and do whatever we choose as long as it makes us happy. The irony is that this has actually resulted in us becoming increasingly judgmental of anyone or anything we don't agree with. I mean, just to quickly put this to the test, uh, on the screen right now are appearing some people who've been in the news recently. What's your first reaction when you see these faces? Now, if you were to do a quick trawl of each of those characters on social media at the moment, you will find a tremendous amount of judgment. Some of it positive, some of it negative. In fact, mainly negative. But as we're going to see, the problem isn't just out there. It's way more personal than that. Let's be honest, there's probably a little bit of judgment in all of our hearts. And as we're about to find out, Jesus categorically wants us to cut it out. Now, just so you know where we're heading today, uh, I've tried to keep it really simple. There are three basic questions I'm setting out to answer. Number one, what does Jesus mean when he tells us not to judge? Number two, why do we judge others? And then number three, why does this even matter? And then next time, I want us to get slightly more practical and we're going to return to this passage and just unpack how to actually go about living all of this stuff out. So let's jump right in. Matthew 7 verse 1. Jesus says, Do not judge others and you will not be judged. Which kind of begs the question, what exactly does Jesus mean by judge? Well, when you boil it down, it basically means to make a distinction 
it's to determine whether something is wrong or right, whether something is good or something is bad. If you want a definition, to judge can imply to analyse or evaluate as well as to condemn or avenge. Now, just to be clear, the former category here of analysing and evaluating stuff, uh, this is something that all followers of Jesus are actively encouraged to do. In fact, right at the very end of this passage, Jesus tells us to make these kinds of judgments. In verse 6, he says, don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. And so Jesus isn't saying we're not permitted to use any kind of discernment. He's certainly not saying that we can't voice concern about someone else's behaviour. He's not forbidding us from ever saying something is right or wrong. However, this latter category of condemning and avenging, well, those are things solely reserved for God. It's not our place to condemn people or to take it on ourselves to punish them. Even on those occasions when we reach a negative conclusion about the actions of others, our purposes should always and everywhere be constructive and not retributive. Which leads into the rather scary words that Jesus goes on to say in verse 2. He adds, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. Now, we'll come back and look at that verse a little more next time. But in short, I think Jesus here is getting at the heart behind our judgments. He's addressing our attitudes He's wanting us to stop being critical. He wants us to quit reaching these internal verdicts and then pronouncing them over others. He's telling us to get rid of all prejudgments of others, all prejudice. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 4 spells it out pretty clearly where he says, As for me, it matters very little how I might be evaluated by you or by any human authority. I don't even trust my own judgment on this point. My conscience is clear, but that doesn't prove I'm right. It is the Lord himself who will examine me and decide. So, don't make judgments about anyone ahead of time before the Lord returns. For he will bring our darkest secrets to light and will reveal our private motives. Then God will give to each one whatever praise is due. And Paul then elaborates even further in Romans 14 where he asks, So why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For the scriptures say, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me and every tongue will declare allegiance to God. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. So let's stop condemning each other. Now let's be honest. 
I reckon most of our judgments about other people are pretty surface level judgments, aren't they? We're observing someone else's behavior or their speech or their appearance and in the moment we're judging them for it without really understanding anything of the fear or the anxiety or the concern or the background behind it. Or I think we can be very quick to put people into categories, can't we? It could be around race, ethnicity, class, education, work, marital status, or whatever. And then we make these snap assumptions based on all of this and judge people accordingly. It's like we keep on being pleasant to their face, but inwardly we're thinking, well, because they're like this, well, that means they're like that. But both Jesus and Paul are telling us in no uncertain terms not to judge in this way. Because ultimately, we can't see into other people's hearts, can we? We are unable to judge their true motives. And at the end of the day, what is going on in our heart is always and everywhere of most importance to God. And so... Because you don't know what God knows. Because, let's face it, you're not God. Leave it for him to do the judging. There is coming a day when motives will be sifted. Judgments will be made accordingly. But that responsibility sits with God, not with us. Furthermore, returning again to our passage here in Matthew 7... It's also important to remember who Jesus is addressing here. Uh, If you notice, he's addressing his followers and he's describing the new kingdom that he's establishing and how we as his followers are to live in it. He's building something distinct with his followers from the world around us. And he doesn't want it tainted by all the attitudes and behaviours of those who don't believe in him. I tell you, we have got to be different. We have got to model something better than all of that. You know, I think we've got to be so careful that we don't unthinkingly create a culture of arrogance and suspicion that pushes people out because they cannot live up to all of these extra biblical standards that we've imposed on them. Whatever we do, we do not want to be people who cause others to feel judged and hopeless whenever they're around us. Now, just to be crystal clear, in case you're wondering, criticism and cynicism, whichever version of the Bible you read, are not there in the list of fruits of the Spirit. Quite the opposite. The more the Holy Spirit is at work in your life, the less critical and the less cynical, the less judgmental you become. And so, we mustn't be the kind of people who look through all the good to find the fault so that we can point out to others where they've gone wrong or how they're not quite right or how we could do it better. It is certainly not our job 
to sift through all the good just to find faults to put others down. And I'll tell you why. The role of the enemy, the role of Satan in a believer's life is to be the accuser of their failure. And the role of Jesus is to acquit them of their failure. And so to put it bluntly, every time you are critical, you are doing the enemy's work for him and you're inadvertently undermining the work of Jesus. Jesus is the one who rises up as the advocate on our behalf and says, Father, they are mine. And yet often, if we're not careful, we can rise up like the enemy and say, Father, I know they're yours, but look at that. I mean, look at what they said then. How can they think like that? But Jesus is saying, my kingdom is all about grace, mercy, compassion, forgiveness, and reconciliation. So, do not judge others. Which leads to the second question. If we're all clear that we shouldn't judge others, which hopefully we are, why then do we still often find it so hard not to be judgmental? Now, this isn't supposed to be an exhaustive list, but just to get you thinking, here are five common causes of judgmentalism. I think, first and foremost, it's because we think we're right, don't we? I mean, that's why we think what we think, or else probably we wouldn't think it. And what makes this so difficult a lot of the time is we live in a culture, don't we, that teaches us that your opinion is as important as anyone else's. There is no such thing as absolute truth. All truth is relative. Therefore, your story and opinion and experience is as good as anyone's who's ever lived. And so it's all about validating the individual experience, which ends up giving us this false sense of our own importance. And just by way of an aside, social media is the perfect platform for this. It takes all of these giant international events that are going on out there and reduces them down into this small Twitter feed, which we then get to comment on based on what we think is true, good and right. And so we position ourselves as judge and jury, curating our own vision of ethics, truths and morality. It's like we have this assumption that our opinion should be given to everybody. And because we think we're right, we end up judging people. Or, very often, I think we can be judgmental because, let's be honest, we're just jealous of other people. When we're unhappy with who we are and we see other people with lives that are turning out better than ours, although it certainly doesn't help to tear someone down, envy drives us to do it anyway. It's like we want to feel good by making someone else look bad. Maybe it's around family life or in our place of work or at school or, dare I say, even in the church. 
Wherever people seem to be more successful than us, we try to feel better by putting them down. I don't know what it is, but these are very real feelings, aren't they? And they get into our hearts and become these controlling forces in our lives. They, they cause us to be jealous of others, and that very often drives us to judge them. Other times, I think our judgmentalism comes from a place of insecurity. I don't know, perhaps, for example, you've just arrived at uni and you've excelled through your education up to this point. You've always been somewhere near the top. And now you're surrounded by people who seem brighter than you and you're left feeling distinctly average. And we can often try to cope with this by cutting down anyone who threatens to overshadow us. We feel like it, if someone else shines, then our light is going to be diminished. So we always have to drop in a small snide remark there or a subtle put down over here. Well, here's a fourth one. Many of us, like it or not, are pretty self-righteous. And usually, about things we're currently doing well in. But whenever I'm struggling and not doing so well, well, at that point, I just need mercy. Because you don't know how hard my life is. And I just need this little area of joy in the midst of all the sorrow. But when we eventually come through that, and others perhaps are having that same circumstance... We then attempted to come down on them like a ton of bricks. And then the final one is pride. We actually think we are better than others. We have this superiority that creeps into our hearts. But in all of this, Jesus couldn't be clearer. Do not judge. He says... You don't know what's going on beneath the surface in the people that you are so critical of. In any way, it's not ultimately your job to be the judge and jury. So why not leave it to me? All that being said, why does this actually matter? What's the big deal here? Well, I think it has a lot to do with what Jesus says in verse 3. He says, and why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How how can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? That's a pretty graphic image, isn't it? I mean... How ridiculous would it be for me to come up to you looking like this and start trying to address the small speck in your own eye? It's like when there's sin in your life, you just can't see clearly what's happening in other people's lives. As we've just seen, when when things like pride and jealousy and insecurity and arrogance and self-righteousness become the filter we see other people through, it just distorts our vision. And so you've got to start with yourself. Listen, the gospel 
always points us inward in repentance and humility, not outwards in critique. Remember the famous story where the Pharisees were picking up rocks in order to stone an adulterous woman. What does Jesus do? He stops them in their tracks and permits them to hurl a rock only if they're without sin. And what happens? They all slowly drop the rocks and walk away. Now here's the point. You may have insights into all the things other people are doing wrong. But the main thing you're responsible for is the condition of your own heart before God. Jesus would say to us, turn inward, examine your own heart. Don't be quick to judge others. Please get rid of the sin in your own life so that you're able to see more clearly. Please, I don't want you to be like those Pharisees with rocks in their hands. I don't want an external culture in my kingdom of behaviour modification that doesn't ever transform the heart. I don't want people constantly being beaten down because of their sin. For goodness sake, I came to save people from their sin. So I don't want guilt. I don't want shame. I don't want legalism or condemnation to control the culture of my kingdom. And so won't you start with yourself? Now, as I've said, next week we're going to return to this passage. We're, we're going to look at how practically we can actually go about living this out. How we can go about creating a culture in our relationships with one another that is not judgmental. But where I want to land this today is to simply invite you to do a spot of self-reflection. As I've been speaking, be honest, have you become aware of any logs in your eye? You know, the point of this talk certainly isn't to judge you and leave you feeling condemned. No, it's to lead you to a place of freedom is to help you remove those logs. And so, as we draw to a close, how do you get rid of the log in your eye? Well, it's very simple. Really, this takes us to the very heart of the gospel, that I come to Jesus acknowledging something about myself. It involves making a confession. I'm someone who is in desperate need of his grace. I have serious issues of my own. I need help. And I come before Jesus and I hear the way he talks. I see how he treats other people. I look at how he lived his life and how he died for me and how he was raised for me. And now how by his spirit he's present with me. It's pretty stunning. I mean, Jesus is the only one qualified to judge. And he's the only one who truly sees beneath the surface and knows all the secrets of our heart. And yet he categorically does not judge those who come to him in repentance, desperate for his forgiveness. And it's this experience of grace 
this realization that Jesus doesn't condemn me. He loves me. He gave his life for me. When I go there first, that has the experience to utterly change me. And when we gather like this, you know, I long for the day when it's in the same room. Even when it's gathering online, we are telling that story. We're broadcasting the fact that we are a community of followers of Jesus who are dependent on his grace and who are then quick to show grace to others. So won't you come to him right now? Won't you confess any judgmental attitudes to him? And won't you receive his forgiveness? As it says in 1 John 1, if we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. I'm just going to leave some space for you to respond right where you are. Now, Lord Jesus, I thank you that right now you do not stand with a finger pointing accusingly at us. You stand with your arms open wide to embrace us. Thank you that our sins are actually the things that qualify us to come close to you because you by definition are rich in mercy and it's our sin and it's our repentance that releases you to be who you are to shower your mercy and your grace on us i want to pray that as a community of your kingdom we would live daily in your grace and we would live moment by moment of every day showing grace to others that we would model something of the power of your kingdom the difference of your kingdom, the attractiveness of your kingdom in a world that is so broken. Lord Jesus, please work this message deeply into us that we may deeply reflect it in our relationships with others. I ask it in your name. Amen.